Thank you for listening to Namat's Movie Reviews Podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. If we ride our ways, and we ride a great wrong, then we could save her. We could save your mother, boy. People say that property, I swear it's haunted. It's time to let the place go. What about Paul? An old bastard just wants revenge. There's something that he's doing. I need to wait till dark to tell you. It's dark now. When you run, boy, the wall, you run far from here. You can hear that devil. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 450. Out now on Shudder is What Josiah Saw, a horror thriller that stars Robert Patrick as the patriarch of a broken family whose children suffer under the weight of a dark past that plagues them no matter where they go. A wonderfully created Southern Gothic thriller drenched in darkness, palpable in dread, and featuring terrific performances by its cast. What Josiah saw is also the latest film from director Vincent Grashaw, who I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast. Vincent, I thank you so very much for your time today. Oh, thank you. 450. Wow, you've been doing this a minute. <laughs> yes, sir. I, I think this is my, like, I do around two or three a week, so I think this is my second or third, th- my third this week. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, very uh prolific on my end but it's only so good i can do this because i can talk to filmmakers like yourself and and what josiah saw is like one of those films i was, I was saying to you before recording it's like one of it's just a fantastic movie it really is really a film that kind of stays with me stayed with a lot i think it stays with a lot of people after the credits roll i want to go back though to when you first received that script from um, robert allen Diltz. in i believe you two both worked before on a short film called uh, aliki um, way back like in 2009 or so so he gets his script to you and um, it's really interesting in, in your films your previous films were more kind of like socially conscious stories where this film is like is like a more of a southern gothic kind of horror movie and I also heard that this script rattled you uh, when you first uh, read it what was it about um, Robert's script that really had that kind of impact on you to the point where this was going to be your next movie yeah so Robert I had from from a screenwriting uh, website called Trigger Street back in 2007. Um, and I had read some of his scripts and thought his writing was really unique and fresh. And um, just we, we started communicating on that um, 
site, which doesn't exist anymore. It was Kevin Spacey's uh, company, Trigger Streets. They had mm-hmm. that like forum where you can share scripts and, and stuff like that. And um, I was just, I thought he was a really fantastic, unique voice. Um, I hadn't directed a feature at that time. And I was on the path to try to, I guess. And in 2009, I had, I had gone to Fiji twice. Um, and this, and I told him when I was going to go the second time, I, I, I was, I loved Fiji. And I, I saw these kids in Fiji that were fishing off the, off of this dock. And I, I basically said, Hey, can you write a short film about the folklore or, or something in Fiji? He wrote me this like 10 page thing the next day. I shot it just with a camera and girlfriend at the time. And it was just for a fun hobby kind of thing. But when, um, in 2013, I had finished my first film, Cold Water, and he was he started sending me this script for Josiah, and he was sending me pages at a time. It wasn't finished. He just said started it, and so it was like I think it was ten or twenty pages he had written and just one of my thoughts, and instantly it was sucking me into the atmosphere. Um, I knew it wasn't something that started off with a bang, but it was, it, there was something about his writing that was very atmospheric and visceral. And it really painted this sort of world without having being verbose at, 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 at all. Um, so I encouraged him to writing. I, I, I was just into it. Um, these, these the Thomas and Josiah character in the beginning and, and their sort of back and forth dynamic. Um, it was sort of a one-on-one performance piece i didn't know where the movie was going yet and he was really reluctant to keep going um but i kept pushing him and he kept writing and by the time that first chapter ended that's when i was like really rattled and unsure about it i was questioning him (laughs) as a writer at times with that i'm like what do you what demons do you have going on because my childhood was great um i have good parents but it was interesting at that point because it was not even 30 pages in and it, and it, uh, Oh, sorry. That was a phone here. Um, 30 in and where it was going was really un unexpected and it shifted gears. And when I, when that happened, I thought it was really a brilliant move because you can't maintain that first chapter's tensity the way it was. And so when he did that and it, you introduced, you were introduced to this other person, it just, it was the way that it was structured that I thought was just really cool. And I, I'm aware it, it done before. Um, I'm aware chapters have been done before, but I was just impressed with how you felt like you were being suffocated slowly mm. um, by the script. And so it was one of those things you just didn't want to stop reading, but I was uncomfortable through a lot of it. So by the time it ended, I, I just kind of, I just, I was, I knew I wanted to make it because I was kind of interested in doing a horror movie at that point. And this to me was just a horror movie I, I, in, in a different sense, because this is in 2013. So it's been, it was before a lot of the really smart, cool horror movies over the last 10 years that have been coming out. Like it follows Babadook, the witch hereditary. So I knew I was on the right track. Once I started seeing these kind of movies really get a voice. Um, and so I pursued it. It took me six years to finally get it financed and made. And so. Well, I'm wanting to talk about the um, Robert Patrick's character's name, Josiah. 
it's not a name you come across very much in movies. And it's really interesting looking at the, the, the Hebrew meaning of the name, which is um, God supports and heals. And anyone who watches this film knows that this Josiah does not support and does not heal. Do you, did you um, um, talk that much uh, to Robert in regards to the, the why he used the name Josiah for that character? Or is that just something that was he thought was a cool name just for the movie? I'm sure he has a, a a pretty significant deeper meaning. That guy, when it comes to anything, it is very researched and very, whether it's an allegory or all that stuff, he doesn't just, it's not something that's coincidence. He really thinks about and enjoys sort of tackling those things and many, many themes of this movie, actually. Um, uh, but we, we didn't talk too much about the names. I mean, clearly it's Josiah, Mary, uh, 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 Thomas and mm. Eli, all sort of biblical type of yes. names, uh, with that uh, sort of dated aspect to them. But, um, I, I just liked it that the, their, that was their names. And it was to me, it didn't have to dive more significant than this movie has some religious undertones and, uh, it, it explored that aspect. And I thought it was a it was an interesting choice, but we didn't. I didn't personally get into the any deeper meaning. I knew there was deeper meanings. I just, I'm like, that's Robert Dills, you know. It's been interesting to me when watching the film how these children. Uh, you mentioned the names. So Eli's played by Nick Storr, Thomas by Scott Hayes, Mary by Kelly Garner. How they all have a, an emptiness to them um, that they're all trying to fill with something. So Eli has drugs in his life. Uh, Thomas has religion. Mary has a need to to bear a child or to raise a family. That uh, that whole thing, that aspect of, of an emptiness within them, is that something that you guys talked about quite a bit with these characters, where they're trying to fill a void within their life um, that came from their kind of like their broken uh, family and their up, upbringing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the whole. It's a huge theme in the movie is how 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 trauma affects people. Um, and especially uh, childhood trauma. And, you know, you have these characters who had lived through some pretty horrific stuff when they were children, and we get to catch up with them 20 plus years later. Yeah. Um, I, I like that aspect of it because it showed how trauma is not cured. It's only managed. And it was important that their journeys and the, the way they're, the, what they're trying to fill in their life is different. So, mm-hmm. Eli just wants a fresh start. I feel like he feels cursed no matter which choice he makes in life. And he's almost destined for his, you know, what happens, everything he chooses to do. And I feel like going through that sort of thing, all this guy wants is a fresh start. And he, he, he's, he's, he'll do anything at that point. Um, And Mary, you know, the, for her, I think she's painted a sort of life that is safe she almost lives in these like track homes where every house is the same you're 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 sort of safe in witness protection almost. um and that to me was important because you can put a facade on in any part you know people on social media put the facade on every day of a great life and she's probably guilty of that herself marrying an older guy um who can protect her who's secure who um, is supportive and probably had to deal with a lot of her mental issues through the last 10, 20 years. Um, 
And I think she, she knows that, especially by the time, you know, she gets reconnected with her brother, that this is something that she's only put a bandaid on and never really confronted it. And so it's also to how do you confront trauma in your life? Do you face it? How do you process it when it's still with you that much later? And, um, I just think that's a fascinating way to kind of manifest horror. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by T Public. T Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, T Public is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Amazon, the world's leading online store. Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. You filmed the movie in Oklahoma, and I've spoken to filmmakers from Oklahoma, um, and they they just rave about how great it is to film there. You yourself are, um, from what I know of, is a Los Angeles native, but you filmed this movie in Oklahoma. What was it like working in Oklahoma with their cast and crew there um, for yourself? Have you have you done work there before? Have you kind of like known people who've worked there before? And, and would you uh, go back there again? I had not um, filmed there before. Um the rebate, the film incentive to shoot there for the finances is a really healthy, good one. So, and it really fits the tone and look of the setting that we were looking for. So it was a kind of a no brainer, you know, the movie was written more like a Texas, Mm. but Texas doesn't have really much of a business incentive to go there, unfortunately. So Oklahoma did, and we took advantage of that. And so such a great crew, some of the best crew I've worked with, it was trench warfare very hard because of the budget we were at mm-hmm. and every, dialed in very excited. And, and some of the, like my first AC, this guy, Phil, Philip bird, uh, one of the best first ACs I've ever worked with, um, my focus puller. Um, and so it was just, a in, in, within the hard stuff to get this movie executed, it was just a pleasure to work with these people that really cared and they knew what we were doing was special and, everyone it's a family unit that's why i love location shoots you really get a sense to kind of grow with the team instead of going home every day um i would shoot there again in a heartbeat um if the movie sort of setting works for it where did you find that house because that house works so well uh fits these characters kind of like a glove it really does where did you find that place Absolutely. Which was kind of scary because out of all the movies I've done, this is the one that really you needed a location that was perfect for it. You know, it's almost its own character. Um, you know, and there's many elements It needed to be two stories It needed to have an Oak tree that kind of was ominous. It needed to look like everything was dying. It just was too perfect. Um, it was in a location scout, basically. It was in their location scout database. And it was this old 100-plus-year-old uh, house that nobody lived in. And there was still furniture and everything in it that that we front of it, in front of the movie. The, the guy who grew up there had another house on the property a distance mm. away. That's where he lived. Um, so he just had this home that was basically, we, we did some painting and wallpapering 
Um, and there was wasps all over the place. So we had to get a wasp exterminator, but I didn't want them to sweep away the wasps, dead wasps. So once they were all dead and they got most of them out, there was like dead wasps all over the place <laughs> in the house. Um, so I just was like, yeah, let's leave it. But it just, it, it was the place you walked into and you're like, all right, stress is gone. This is the place. Something about your movie that really affected me. And I think a lot of people when watching it is that real kind of feeling of dread. It comes from the great cinematography that um, Vincent, um, that Carlos Ritter had. It comes from the, the great kind of sound effects. Um, and also just the, this, there's this score from Robert, Robert Pike, where it just feels like, like doom personified. It really does. Like, so, you know, something's going to happen. You don't know what yet. When it comes to those kind of aspects of your film, how much of that do you talk about beforehand? How much of that kind of comes in post-production? Because I'm really curious about how you create that kind of environment. Yeah. This was one movie that the, 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 the cinematography, the production design, and the wardrobe subconsciously, I think, gets people. Um, and you really can sense it. And that's something I actually I learned how pivotal it was. Um, that the cinematography and even the art direction, the walls can't be a white wall. Like you mm. need to have darker walls. So the shadows sort of fall out better. Uh, just things like that, that you have to all be in sync. Um, so in pre-production, Carlos and I would spend hours together, basically shot listing, storyboarding, visuals, um, elements of like that throughout all of pre um, I always put brain to paper way early years ago. I do my own sort of breakdown and shot list just to get on paper. And sometimes you never use much of it, but it's just to get those creative juices going. Um, the score, I do that also in very early pre before I ever hire anybody. I, mm. I basically build a, a music cue reference script. So I have like the whole script and I bold parts of the script that I feel score will be in. And I pull YouTube uh, reference scores, pieces, cues from other movies or uh, in, uh, whatever it is. And I paste that in the script. And so the composer, whenever I hire them, I go, here, my mind in terms of the score, take this and let me know what you think. And so it's more of a blueprint. On, I always found that really helpful for a composer in our relationship, because then you, he knows exactly what you're thinking or she and um, can run with it. And then you sort of figure it out. Um, I knew the score was going to what bridged these chapters, sort of fuse them together outside of the story because I knew I wanted it to be ominous and, and really foreshadow, like we're going to end up in a horrific place at some point. And this is a horror movie, whether you think now you're on a crime thriller adventure uh, or not, you're going back to that sort of unsettling um, place. Well, it all comes together so incredibly well. It's, uh, I think, one of the best films I've seen this year. I really, truly mean that. And um, for everyone out there listening on Shudder right now, what Josiah saw, this is a movie you need to watch. You need to see the craft. You need to see the performances, how it all kind of comes together. And um, it's really, I mean, it's weird for me to say it, considering the uh, subject matter and the things that happened in the film, but it's quite a beautiful movie as well. I think the crafting has just been really incredible. And uh, Vincent, I want to say congratulations to you and best of luck with the release. And uh, hopefully we get to talk again in, in the future. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks for having me on.
I really appreciate it and, and your, your depth uh, uh, and questions.